Hey guys, my guest today is Jessica Patterson. She's a female motocross racer. She's won 42, over 42 amateur titles and seven national titles. She's one of the most dominant women in uh, female motocross to the point where if she was racing or riding, she was expected by everyone in attendance to win. So very dominant. Um, she's a friend of mine, but as a fan of the sport, I was still very excited to uh, to have her on as a guest. I really enjoyed it. Uh, we talked a lot about motocross, but we talked about business and things that we normally talk about on the podcast. I really enjoyed this episode. I hope you guys do too. You're listening to the Self-Made Podcast. Self-Made Podcast. With your host, Matt Snipes. All right, so I'm here with Jessica Patterson. Jessica, thank you for uh, taking the time to do this. Um, I've got a lot of things that I wanted to talk to you about outside of the motocross thing, but just to catch people up, um, let's start there as far as your, your racing career. Cause honestly, I think that's why we're sitting here. That's why I know you as a fan of the sport, you know, that's how I became aware of you. So what age did you start riding at? When I was about, I guess, seven years old is when I really started riding. Um, obviously, you know, my father stuff rode and just being around that kind of stuff. I was more of a daddy's girl and kind of a tomboyish. And, um, he pretty much bought anything that had a motor on it. So it didn't matter what it was. He wanted me to, to get on it and ride it or whatever it was. So, um, I was always, always wanting to, to ride around and go fast. That was it. And, uh, so then about seven years old, I got a bike and then he realized, um, it was, uh, actually a Yamaha PW fat wheel, like 80 and it had zero suspension. It was like the worst bike ever. And I started to actually ride it and jump it. And he was like, Oh my God, I got to get you like a real bike. It's bad. And, uh, so then he got me another one and then probably about, uh, age nine, um, we actually, uh, found out that my dad worked with Ricky Carmichael's dad and they said, Hey, we have my son races too, blah, blah, blah. He's like, y'all want to come to a race and watch and blah, and whatever. So, um, we was like, sure, we'll go to the race. And, um, I just kind of seen what the atmosphere was all about. And, and Ricky actually gave me his trophy and I still have it to this day. Um, and, and it was probably half the size as I was at that time. And I was like, Oh my God, this is what you can get. And, and all this action, I was like, I'm in. So I told my dad, okay, I want to race. And they were like, are you sure? And I, was, I told my mom, yeah, I'm racing. And then, um, she was like, okay, we we'll just hoped it was more of a, you know, kind of a fling type thing. Maybe I just do it for a little bit and be over it. And, um, it just kind of stuck. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. And that's a very fortunate start to your racing career to, to hook up with Ricky. For those that, uh, that aren't in the motocross loop, uh, Ricky Carmichael is, is often referred to as the goat as uh, greatest of all time. And I'd have to agree with that. So that was pretty lucky to, to just yeah. fall into that, you know, organically <laughs> yeah. and stuff. So do you have any brothers or sisters or? I do have a younger brother. Yes. He's about five years younger and he actually, um, I say he actually had more talent than I did. And he, he, uh, wanted to ride too. My dad got him a PW50 and, uh, 
but he told him he wouldn't buy him a bike yet until he could ride his bicycle without training wheels. I think he might have went 50 feet, and my dad went out and got him a bike right there. <laughs> <So, laughs> um, he, he actually like caught on super quick, and he was pretty much better than I was. I wasn't even that great of a, a 65, 85 rider. I mean, I did okay, but as I got older, obviously with more experience and figuring things out, I got better, but my brother was better than I was. Yeah. Well, the reason I ask that is because as someone who doesn't have kids, I can see myself as the father of a daughter pushing her into that because it's like, well, I got a girl. It's not a boy, but if she wants to ride a motorcycle, I'll fully support that. So yeah, so that's kind (laughs) of what I was thinking there. So after you, uh, when did you really start to gain momentum and, and kind of excel in the sport? I think, uh, well, it kind of started off like I was pretty big into soccer and I played soccer all the time, like every Saturday, Friday and Saturday. And, um, up until about, um, ninth grade, I think. And then it came to a point where, um, you know, we were playing soccer Saturdays, Friday, Saturdays, and going to races Sundays, like leaving after the games, you know, and racing Sundays. And my parents were like, man, this is killing us. Like you got to pick one. And, um, I was actually pretty decent and I was supposed to be, you know, on the traveling team and all that good stuff. And, I just told him, and I, like I said, it wasn't even that great. And I was like, um, I think it was probably about 15. And they said, um, well, you need to pick what you want to do. Um, we can't keep traveling so much. And I was like, well, I don't want to play soccer anymore. I only want to race. <laughs> and they're like, oh, no. My mom was like, oh, are you sure you could get a scholarship? My mom's like, no, I want to race. And uh, so my dad's like, okay. And so that's when he's like, you know, just being around Ricky and, and even Earl May and those guys back in the day, like we had some really good all around riders in Tallahassee. Like, um, it just seemed like everybody's like all focused on California about how their riders are. But mm-hmm. at that time, we actually had a really solid group of, of good riders. And I just kind of followed those guys. And, you know, I seen Ricky was training and Earl and, you know, then we go to the track, like after schools and stuff like that. And so, it came to a point where I would wake up at, you know, five in the morning and I'd go for a run and then I'd get ready for school and after school I'd go ride. And, um, it just kind of became a, a routine for me because, you know, I kind of looked up to some other girls and I was like, I want to do that. I want to be good and, and travel around the world like they were. And, and, uh, I don't know. It just kind of all start to came together. I've always been super competitive ever since I was little. I was competitive. So, um, you know, I did the race and when I was young racing with boys is was, uh, I think that was a big help for me is because, you know, obviously they don't want girls beating them. Their dads aren't too happy when you do it. <laughs> so you get extra push from that. And, uh, I think that just kind of drove me the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, like you said, with everyone goes back to California as kind of the Mecca when I, I, you know, I'm like you, there's people in Florida and also Georgia. Georgia had a lot of really good, really fast, talented guys come through there. So the whole Southeast has got a lot more competition than people that are from the West Coast and have not come over here to ride realize. You know, a lot of really good guys came out of there. Um, So did you ever hire like a trainer or anything, you know, like these guys are doing today, spending six figures for... Um, No, I never spent six figures on a trainer. Um, I, I actually had kind of a guy at one point um he just was a a guy that was like 
um, you know, just, he was just a real gnarly dude. And he was like, I, I'll help you, JP. I'll help you, you know? So I just kind of, he had a really awesome like personality and I just kind of, you know, hung out with him some and did workouts with him. But, um, it honestly wasn't till, um, and also with Alden Baker training Ricky at that time, I would kind of follow their footsteps there too. But then in 2010, um, I started to get beat a little bit in 09 and, and, uh, 08 and 09, I was getting beat a little bit. And obviously I wasn't too happy about that. And I just came to a point, um, talked to the guys over at Honda and it just came to a point that I decided I needed to do something. And women's motocross was really growing at this point. It was getting big and the sponsors were coming in, the factories were coming in and they were paying pretty good for what we were doing. And, uh, I mean, I just, uh, talked to them and a request came about with, um, working with, uh, um, Ryan Hughes. So obviously, uh, you know, if you're a moto, you know, what kind of dude Rhino is, he's really gnarly. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, he was always a hard working dude and he gave no crap to anybody. So it's like, you know, he, he was a bad guy. And I was like, uh, it's like, well, screw it. At that point, I was so dedicated to making myself better to winning again. Um, every weekend that, I said, doesn't matter. So at that point, um, we moved everything out to California and lived there and we lived at Rhinos and, um, did the training and everything. And I mean, I was so strict on the program. I mean, even, even my husband was like, you're taking it too far. Like you're literally (laughs) doing everything like beyond, but I was like, it doesn't matter. Like it, to me at that point, it didn't matter. I was going to do anything I could. And I mean, I dropped tons of weight. I changed my whole nutrition program. I did everything. And like, I was ready. And then, yeah, I think I won almost every race except the one that year. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing I've heard, you know, about Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and all these guys being that obsessed and being the first one to practice and also, you know, picking up towels and doing all the extra stuff. I almost feel like that's a requirement to be that dominant, you know, in your, in your sport. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it, it, it just kind of depends on the drive and what you really want. I would guess, you know, for like for me, there was no option. It was just do whatever I had to do to get back to winning every week. So, um, if I had to do something extra or eat something that I really hated, which was the big thing at first, because he, he would rag on me being, you know, the Southern girl, you know, we, we liked Southern <laughs> food and, and whatnot, get to California where everything's organic and gluten-free and this and that. And I was just, I really did not like anything at first. And then, you know, um, it just all grew. I would eat it anyways, and it just all grew on me. So, (laughs) yeah. So would you say it's a combination of all of those things, you know, the putting in the work, the diet and stuff that what may, what do you think set you so far apart from some of those other girls, you know, cause I remember watching some of your races and it was, you won by a lot and you won often, Mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't just a, you know, you squeak by or, or whatever. What do you think were the main factors in that? Um, yeah, I would have to say a lot of it was, was working with Rhino and then, um, you know, just getting that confidence from him and just knowing that I had a good group behind me. And then another huge key part was, um, star racing. Um, the Yamaha team gave me a chance and gave me factory equipment, gave me everything I needed and said, okay, if you think this is what you need, we'll give you a shot. And, um, I pretty much at first, actually, they weren't really too sure about it. They weren't sure if that's what they really wanted to do and blah, blah, blah. So we, um, 
we ended up uh, just, actually I bought my bikes at first and then Star ended up um, doing all the motors and everything. And after that first race, it was like Christmas. I would get one thing after the next would come in or she needs this or she needs that or we would be testing every week. It's like, you know, after they seen, like, I think they just weren't too sure of like how dedicated I was into making anything happen to seeing like how my progress went with just the training and everything with that. And then going out and, and doing all my practicing and being a hundred percent dedicated to women's racing. And, and that kind of just set them off like, dang, this girl's bad. So right. they, uh, they get, gave me everything I needed. And obviously when you have huge support like that, it's, it's just a boost of confidence. So that's mm-hmm. all I needed. Well, yeah. And you are also surrounding yourself with winners, you know, which is oh, yeah. what I try to do. I mean, Ricky, you know, Ryan, those guys are, you know, the, the best in the sport. So to be around those kind of gives you that drive and lets you see, you know, you can kind of shadow them and this is the amount of effort they're putting in. If I want to get there, this is the kind of effort I've got to put in. And that's what I kind of try to push on people is you got to quit hanging out with those friends that aren't really doing anything with their life because Mm -hmm. you will start to mirror that. Mm -hmm. What I found with myself was that I would hang out with those people and I would feel like I was killing it just because I was doing more than they were. I was putting in more work than they were, you know, but that's not the case with those two guys. Like you said, mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're disciplined. They're, they're hard asses. You know, I've yeah. heard stories of other people that worked with, you know, Hughes that he was aggressive, you they know, and they're, take it. and, and yeah. honestly, like they, uh, I was one of the ones that stayed there the longest. And, you know, we, a lot of guys would come in through the program, but they just couldn't take it. Like Rhino's a hard dude and he'll get on you and he'll tell you if you're not doing something right, or if you need to do this or that. And, he was a hard dude. Like he was really tough to deal with sometimes. But like I said, at that point, it didn't matter to me. I was willing to do whatever. If he, he told me I sucked at this or that, I just took it in to make myself even better to, to figure it out. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, you know, especially nowadays with the era of the snowflake have a hard time mm-hmm. taking criticism, you oh, know, yeah. like they don't want to hear the bad. So what I do is when someone criticizes me, if it's negative or I don't like it, or it makes me mad, I sit back and say, why does this make me mad? There mm-hmm. might be some truth to it. Right. And that's why I get mad, yeah. you know, and that's, I think that's important. You know, people are so worried about, you know. Yeah, it's true. It's just that, I mean, it just depends on how you kind of take it. You can use it as motivation or you could sit there and feel bad for yourself or, you know, I just, like I said, I just kind of, I just used it as even more motivation. Well, yeah, and you look at who it's coming from, too. Yeah. Now, if it was your, your average person and they were telling you those same things, it may not carry as much weight. But right. when someone you know, of that caliber says, hey, you know, you're screwing this up, yeah. they're probably right. You oh, know? yeah. I mean, even when I first got there, like, I even had to, even to what I teach these days is, is, how he taught me and what I tell people turned my whole career around. And cause he would tell me I would look like I was in Florida riding a jet ski because I just looked like I had no control over a motorcycle. My feet were just dangling out and the bike was going everywhere. And I'm like, what is like, what are you talking about? I just didn't get it. And he would just always make fun of me about that until I finally just was like, you know, you might feel so weird at some points, but it didn't matter. I just every day try to remember what I had to do to make it feel right. And then it just, now it's natural. Yeah. Yeah. But like we were talking about before the show, so you were so dominant in the sport, you know, to equate it to those people that are listening that don't, you know, again, that, that aren't in the motocross loop, 
You know, she was kind of, you know, say the Ronda Rousey of UFC, but motocross isn't in the spotlight. So you don't really get that recognition. Do you think that's because, uh, this is just a random thought that I had that UFC, you know, or MMA is more relatable because more people have either been in a fight or are more likely to get in a fight than have ridden a motorcycle. Right. So it's. It, yeah, I, I guess they could relate more to that. Like, you know, more of like, it's kind of like a street fight almost, you know? I guess, you know, when you're kids, you're always in some type of fight. Yeah, so yeah. it would be more relating to that. And then obviously the whole money situation and with all that stuff and promoting is a lot more than what motocross is, even to this day. So, um, you know, it's kind of hard. But yeah, we, like you said, we, we were doing, you know, probably just as much work and I was winning just as much, if not more than, than what Rhonda was doing, but Mm -hmm. only your little circle pretty much knows. Right. Right. Yeah. But there, there can be some good that comes from that too. Cause I think about that a lot is that the only people that are going to recognize you are people in the sport. So Mm -hmm. you kind of get to live a normal life. Oh yeah. And, and I don't mind that at all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, some of my friends that were athletes that are now, you know, TV personalities, they get recognized for being on TV and, you know, and we'll go somewhere and it kind of gets ridiculous. You know, yeah. the amount of people or, or some of the people that can't even go anywhere, uh-huh. you know, like we can't park here. We got to walk in here. You got to do this. Like I would. Mm-hmm. I know it's like actually Wes Kane is a good friend of ours and he's part of the um, DIY network with the Vanilla Ice Project. And he comes up here a lot and races cars and everything like that. And he's always hanging out. Like we're, we've been good buddies for a long time. He's from Florida. You were from Florida. So, um, he used to actually take me racing every now and then if my parents couldn't take me. And it's, it's weird because like when we, even when we come up here and, or he comes up here for like weeks at a time and people are like, Oh, I know that guy. And it's like, Oh, that's weird. Like people are like, Oh, let me get your picture. And it's just something weird. Like, you you know it's just a little DIY network show mm-hmm. that you think is small, but it's actually really big. And then to have him here, he's like, "Oh yeah, it's me." <laughs> yeah, you know, so that's pretty cool. But at least I can like, it's not a big deal for me to go anywhere. You know. Yeah, that's that's my deal too. As an outsider watching these people, I'm like, it's cool, but I can see how that would get really annoying for sure. You yeah. know, also you know when you're trying to do stuff or whatever. Um, so after your racing, you know, you retired. What what made you retire? What? Um. Well, after my seventh championship, um, I was, I had already thought about it the end of that year before, and I think it was in thirteen. I was kind of already planning on doing something different. I thought I did what I wanted to do. I mean, I want to. Uh, I won the most races a woman's ever won. I won the most championships. Um, I won heaps of um, amateur national championships. So it's like I pretty much did what I wanted to do. And at that time, it's it's kind of like I wasn't really sure. But I um, actually did a GNCC, like an off-road race here. Um, actually, it was in Florida. I just did it for fun one year. I said, let me just do it. I think it was in the beginning of 13. I just did it for fun. And I ended up winning it. And I won it by a lot. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. Like, it was something totally different. You race for two hours, supposed to two 20-minute motos. Um, it's in the woods. And then, But then also you have some huge fields you go through. So it's different, you know, like, varieties of, of racing. And, um, you know, with rocks and logs and this and that. And 
I just thought it was a cool new challenge. Like I really liked it. And so I kind of told Yamaha about it and I told them that's something I would like to kind of do. And um, so they said, okay, well, we actually have a team that's from South Carolina um, and his name's Randy Hawkins, which he was a bad dude back in the day. And I think he's actually won seven championships too for off-road racing, but he has his own team now. And uh, they said, we can hook you up with this guy. And if you want to go and race, and then that's fine. And, uh, so they got us hooked up and I would fly from California back East and do a couple of races here and there. And then, um, I won the championship at the end of that year. And then I said, okay, I want to do off road for, for two years. So, um, I just, they t- gave me the opportunity. Randy hired me to ride on the off road team. And, uh, I took on the new challenge. It was, it was crazy. It was really hard. And like the first, there's 13 rounds, the first five are more South. And obviously, you know, the weather's better. It's not as like rocky and, and just too gnarly. So I thought the first five rounds were awesome, but the more North you go, the harder they get, they get really slick. It seems to rain every time you're going through rocks and it's just, sometimes it's just hell. It's like, I would do a race and it. Why am I out here racing? But at the end of the day, it was like, oh, that was so much fun. And you learned something different. It was like, I wanted to do better the next time. So it's like, I just kept wanting to do better and better and better. And um, I just did it for two years. They gave me the opportunity to do it. And I did that. And then uh, after I was done, I kind of did nothing for a little bit, just kind of took life in. Yeah. So not to backtrack, but you know, that sounds like it was new and exciting for you. Was the motocross just kind of not exciting anymore? It wasn't that it like still to this day, sometimes like when I go to races, I just really miss that atmosphere. It's like, even when you watch um, the Supercross guys and when Ken Roxon talks about when he got hurt and now he's back about how he just really missed being with the team and, and just having that atmosphere of people working with you. I miss that sometimes, you know, just missing being with everybody, always learning or working on something to get us better. I do miss that sometimes, but, um, it was just more of like, I don't know. I just, no real reason. I just felt like I did what I wanted to do. It wasn't like, oh, this sucks, whatever. Like, I mean, I'll still go out this day and, and put in laps and I absolutely love it, but it's just, it just came to a point and I don't really even know why just cause I'm done. Yeah. So that was it. Yeah. So when you uh, when you kind of transitioned into a different type of racing, did you also have another plan as far as income or a business or what you're going to do next? No or? clue. No clue. To be honest <laughs> with you, <laughs> um, I just took it like I am very easygoing. I, I my parents that like even when I was younger, like oh you need to plan things better, blah blah blah, but. I just like to go day by day, at least know some stuff, but it's not like I got to stick to anything. I like to just, uh, I'm more of like a free spirit, I feel like. So I like to just kind of go where the wind blows, but I also know what I'm doing too. Like, you know, I'm not just out and about, but I, I kind of have a uh, an idea what I'm going to do. But I, I just was like, you know, um, I'm going to race the off-road. And then obviously I felt like I had... um an option where I could start training kids because I have, even when I raced full time, I had so many people ask me, but again, I was so determined and so focused on myself. I didn't want to train people. I was just too focused in my program. And, um, I was like, well, you know, I, I did a couple schools here and there when we had off season and 
I said, well, if, if anything comes about, and especially being in our area and, and I was kind of, people started to find out that I was in this area, they were kind of, um, I was getting a lot of response about maybe having classes here and there. And I, like I said, at first I did racing, off-road racing for two years. And then I just kind of took a little bit of a break. And then after that, um, I said, I'm going to start doing a couple of classes because I was having more and more people ask. I said, I'm going to do a couple of classes, see how it goes. And a lot of people, obviously, that's what they turn to when they're done racing. They turn to working with people. And so I was like, um, I made a, a little class and I started working with some kids and I started doing it more and more. And I was like, man, I really liked it. Like I started to get a new, a new feeling from you work with a kid and start to watch their progress and get better and better. And that, and then start to go out and win races when the kid could barely make the, the, you know, what, if it was a night show or the main event or whatever it was at that time to go from barely making it to running top 10 or top five, you know, or even winning. And it's like, it was like a whole new like feeling for me. I was like, man, this is really cool because it, you just see like some of your work and all your knowledge that you've learned through the years of racing and and trying to pound it into their heads and learn all the different new techniques and stuff. It's like, and see it work with them and get them to another level. It's, it, it was just a, a whole new adrenaline for me pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fun to watch other people excel too, you know, so, and I can kind of relate in just going to the track. And I remember there were certain kids that, you know, kind of couldn't even make it around the track without falling down. Yeah. And then, you know, a, a couple months later, a year or two later, you know, I'll see that same kid, you know, on a 65, send it on a triple. And I'm like, wow, like yeah. that's awesome that you <laughs> right. came that far. You know, like I get pumped for people so I can see how it's very rewarding to be the reason that those kids right. are, are it, succeeding. It's and, crazy. It's hard to really even explain, but you know, just even when we go to little local races and, and, um, you know, they see these kids and then they're like, Oh my God, what did you do to that kid? He's like a whole new level. And I'm like, I just do what I do, you know, just work. And, and long as they absorb and they try to take it in best they can and do, you know, dedicate whatever they can. And, and it's different kind of for kids because, you know, their minds are going a hundred miles an hour, but when they actually stop and think about it and actually do it and try it, and then they start to see the progress, it really comes together. Yeah. And I think what you're doing is kind of important for the sport too. You know, you and I are, are obviously both fans of the sport, but you know, you're, you're giving back to it and putting back into it. And I think that's what it needs, mm -hmm. you know, is definitely, I mean, I, I'm actually getting, you know, a lot of requests about kids that just, they're kind of starting or even if they're not, but they need to learn more, more technique and bike control and this and that. And it's like, so you just kind of, you know, give up one of your days and, and work with the kids that really need to start more of the basic programs, you know, and, and it's good to see, you know, parents are actually wanting their kids to learn the proper ways. So that's pretty cool too. Yeah. Well, and, and in my experience in MMA and everything else, it's a lot easier to teach kids, you know, from scratch than it is to unteach them bad habits that they've developed. Yeah, definitely. A lot of kids are like, I haven't been riding very long. I'm so that's good. I, I rather you not ride very long because then you don't learn so many bad habits. And like I said, not bring it up, but in 2010, I wasn't the young bird anymore. I mean, I was the older girl and starting a whole new career and they're like, Oh God, she's got to learn everything. And you know, you don't really know how you're going to be able to just to switch your whole life over at that age. But you know, I did. And I just, I think that's what, um, you know, just as long as you can, it doesn't matter. I don't think, you know, on the age or anything, but I really love doing 
doing the kids and even if they don't have, um, you know, much experience, just long as they absorb it and, and just, you know, try hard, then it's, it's a good thing for them. Yeah. Um, are you working only with kids? You work with older people as well or? No, I work with pretty much anything, but I just feel like I get so like much more rewarding out of little kids for some reason. It's like they soak it up so much and they, they get so excited about stuff that, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's just a different feeling. Like I actually, we used to have three kids that lived at my house that I would train that were full time. And then a few more that would meet us at the track. So it was like, I would go to the track every day and I would train kids that were um, 12, 15 or 14, 15 and 16. And that would be what I would do every day. But, um, you know, it, it's kind of different, obviously, people that know their parents or stuff that, you know, teenagers are a little bit different or, you know, yep. I don't know. It's just kind of a, a weird situation, but um, they, not nothing against them. They've all worked really hard, but I just get a lot more satisfaction out of watching the little kids make the progress and they just get so excited about it that I just love that. Yeah. Any little bit of progress a kid is pumped on, you know, oh, yeah. that's made their day, you mm-hmm. know, so I can kind of see that. Are are you working with any girls too or? Um, you know, I really haven't. I really haven't worked with many girls. I have some um you know, throughout the years or whatever. I've worked with girls, but I honestly have a, a ton of little um boys pretty much or or older boys. I I and it's weird cuz everybody's like, "Oh, you train girls." I'm like, "No, not really. I, they're mainly guys." And they're right. like, "Oh, you know, they're kind of shocked, but um I don't know that that I don't really not many girls I don't think really are around here. I have um worked with a couple smaller younger ones um but no no girls really um well I did work with Mackenzie Tricker at one point. Um her and I worked together. She lived here and everything and then she um she decided she wanted to do off-road also. So she's kind of doing something different compared to riding moto every day, but um really no. I, I haven't done a, a lot of girls. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what other things are you doing with your time now, like outside of the school and the training and motocross? Well, um, I, I wouldn't say that there's much time anymore because, um, in September of last year, um, it kind of just popped up, but, um, where my motocross track is, it's on a property of a dirt car track, which is Travelers Drive Speedway. And what happened was, is the new owner or the owner decided he wanted out. Like he also has another track somewhere else that that was his money maker that, um, it was just too much. And so then, um, somebody asked, Hey, do you want to take it? Because somebody else wants to buy it, but we're not sure if you're going to be able to keep your motocross track here. And I was like, Oh no, like (laughs) that's not good. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's my life. I I have to have that. And it's been a lot of work, you know? So it's like, and they said, well, do you want to buy it? And so, um, that, but they go with buying it, you got to run these dirt car races. You got to do this and that. And I'm like, we, we don't know nothing about dirt car races. Eddie just started. I'm like, maybe did three of them since we moved here, just because it's like the thing to do around here. And we were like, we talked about it for probably a month and, um, just kind of trying to figure it out. Like, is this something we want to do? Like, can we do it? Um, just wasn't sure. We just was like, uh, and then, like I said, we talked about it for about a month and we went to Loretta's. 
um, the big amateur event in Tennessee. We went there for a week and kind of, I, I, you know, was there to coach my kids that were racing the national there. And then we get back and they're like, did you make a decision? And we're like, um, we'll take it. <laughs> so now we have, um, about 34 acres and TR. We have a dirt track. Um, we're, we're going to be racing every Friday night and then, um, also motocross tracks, they arena cross track, but it was like, we went to kind of fiddling around. I was just training kids after Loretta's I was just going to take some time off and hang out because, you know, it's, it's pretty, you know, structured days up to that point where we do something every day. And, um, then after I was, um, you know, we get back and they're like, okay, well, here's the track and you got to finish the rest of the series out. And so we had about 10 more races left of the dirt car series. And we just kind of had to follow, like, luckily the guy that previously had it, he kind of stayed with us, helped us kind of figure everything out. But it's like, I had to learn so much in one, one and a half weeks that it was like, it kind of like blew my mind. It was so stressful because I know nothing about dirt cars. And so then to fully run a whole racetrack, it was like, it was so crazy. But, um, now we got through the season and obviously as the time went on, we figured more and more stuff out and, uh, yeah. So now we have this whole facility and it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, and I think that's important to just jump in head first, like you did. So that's kind of what I tell people when, when they give me the excuse that, Oh, I don't know how to do this or I don't know how to start this or, or do it. <laughs> I mean, you didn't know you had not a week a and a half to yeah, learn. I not mean, a clue. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, it just still to this day, it blows my mind because we're like, can you believe we own this? Like we had, we run dirt car races and we had no clue about it. And yep. it's just crazy. But I think a lot of it that helps is obviously coming from a racing background and just kind of putting motoish type stuff into it. But like just knowing that you want the track to be good, you want the fans to be happy. Like you're not completely blind, but you know, it was, it was crazy to just have to learn everything in such a short time because then you don't realize that. You got to get the bathrooms clean. You got to order the food. You got to make sure you have all the right supplies. Then you got your Coke order, your Mountain Dew order, like all that stuff you have to have done in a certain amount of days. And then you got to go there and stock them all. And then you got to make sure the tracks are ready. And it was just crazy. I was just like, oh my God, how are we going to do this? But like I said, as the time went on and we figured more and more out and yeah, we just jumped straight into it and it, it worked out. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I'm sure it's still a learning process and you oh, learn yeah. as you go, you know, and there's a lot of things that, you know, as you're saying all that, that I'm thinking about as far as like insurance and, yeah. and having people sign waivers and all this. So how many people are, are helping you out doing this? Um, sponsorship wise? No, like, uh, at the track, oh, like, do um, you have anybody actually, that? Um, well, our employees, we have about 32 employees um, but really just running the whole thing is me and my husband's mom. So just her and I are pretty much doing the whole background of that. And, and the another hard part was, which was really stressful was our first race is coming up. Um, we're obviously trying to figure everything out, but also try to switch the insurance over into our name. And at the same time, like our insurance company is in Florida and that's when the hurricane hit. So they had no power. So we're freaking out. We're days before the race and we we're like praying that we can get this insurance because you don't, you don't want to take the chance. Like you just don't know what's going to happen with those guys. So it's like, 
we got to get it. We got to get it. And it was crazy because it's like, we almost just had to do like an over the phone, like, yeah, we'll get it done. But luckily the day before we had it all printed out. Yeah. And sometimes that's how business goes. I mean, you're flying by the seat of your pants, but you figure it out. You know, Mm -hmm. you're never going to figure it out just sitting on the sidelines. You know, you're going to research this and set it to the side and kind of dabble in this and set it to the side. That's what I encourage everybody to do. Just do it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I didn't know how to do a lot of the things I did. I just started and it's like, now I'm forced to learn. (laughs) And there's a really short learning curve, but you Mm -hmm. learn a lot. Yeah. And and that seemed like that's been the best thing for us is because we really, you, I feel like sometimes if you look too far into things, just like I tell them when they're writing, if you overthink things, things are just going to turn out that much worse because then you start getting too many thoughts in your head. And what about this? What about that? The what ifs? Like you can't think of all that. You just got to move forward and, and be like in your present time and, and figure things out as you're going along. And obviously that's worked out pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. So I noticed on, uh, I can't remember if it was Facebook or Instagram that you guys are going to have a flat track, a motorcycle race there soon. Yeah, we are. Um, March 31st, um, we have a flat track race and it'll be the first one there. And, uh, yeah, like before I said, the, the, um, track was really just kind of car racing. And now that, you know, this is pretty much our life now, this is our business and we want to make as much racing as we can go into that place. And, people started to kind of figure out that, you know, we owned it, that they started to see all the new, um, you know, dirt going on the track that we're trying to make the place like a whole new facelift pretty much, you know, just turn the whole thing around. And then, um, you know, obviously being able to have good buddies like, you know, Johnny Lewis and Sammy Halbert and all those guys and Josh Heron to be able to have friends like that and kind of start talking like, those were kind of our ideas in the first place. And then to talk to those guys to maybe be able to help us out to get it. And it just like all started to fall apart and, and just came together. It was crazy that we started talking to one person next and then they found out. And then now it's like we have three different, um, you know, series people that all of a sudden want to come, you know. So it's like they're finding out about all this stuff. And so now, yeah, we they – um they asked if we would hold a, a race. And of course, because that's um, just another, obviously it's a motorcycle. And then around the dirt track, it'll be really sick. So those guys, um, they did a demo one night and man, they haul around that track. Yeah. So. Yeah. They're super fast. Yeah. So I, uh, one of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast is because it also gives me kind of a, a end to be able to talk to really, really interesting people like yourself. So I don't want to keep going back to moto because a lot of my, my listeners aren't moto related, <laughs> but I don't mind, you know, doing some, some selfish stuff. So I wanted to go back and ask you if you've seen that uh, Villapoto is going to do some flat track stuff with Yamaha yeah, now. I did see that. And um, like I said, he's probably like just the point where I was, he's, he has an opportunity. They're asking him to do it and, and it's something different and, and, not as so much stress, you know, it's not so stressful because just like when we were racing him and I both were, when we show up, we're expected to win. So now when he goes to those, he's a new guy and it's something totally different that, yeah, he's fast. He's probably going to do really good, but he's not at that point where he's expected to win yet. So he's having a lot of fun with that. And I mean, it looks cool. Like I used to do it a little bit as like side training because, you know, you, you learn a lot of, of balance and just, how to kind of handle the bike. So um, that looks pretty cool, though. That looks really fun. So are there any chances of you 
getting out there? Oh, no, 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 not me. <laughs> no, not even for fun? <laughs> Maybe for fun, but I mean, honestly, when those races go on, with like no matter what it is, is I'm the person that everybody calls and they're like, I need this or I need that, this person, that person, you know, it's like, I need change. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm running from one side to the next. I never really, every now and then, but like, if we have a super big crowd all the time, like I can't even sit down and watch the races. I'm just going from one end to the next, or if we run out of food or this or that. So it's like, I I get stressed out that there's no way I could go out and race. Right, right. (laughs) But like you said, I think it would be fun. So people that haven't really done anything competitive in their life don't realize, you know, and I kind of had this happen in BMX because BMX is not that big here. So when I was racing BMX, I would often get bumped down to a lower class. And to me, I would rather get bumped up. Like every once in a while, I got bumped up to the pro class and that was fine. I had no pressure because (laughs) I knew like if these guys don't beat me, if I don't come in last, like they're going to feel really bad. (laughs) But when I got bumped down a class, you know, it was like, oh, if I don't win by a lot, then I'm going to look really bad. So yeah, I get what you're saying about that. Yeah. Um, And then I also saw where you've got the the women's motocross schedule is going to stop by. Yeah, the uh, the same series that I started in and um raced, you know, and they um it was kind of weird. We we've, we've talked about it for a little bit, like I said, um just, you know, kind of throwing the idea around, you know, maybe getting some kind of big race or whatever and trying to like I said push more of racing in the whole facility and um I ended up calling one of the head guys of of the um organization that does all that. And I was like, oh, hi, Tim. Da-da. I'm uh, just wanted to see if maybe, you know, there might be a chance of getting some type of race at my track. And he's like, funny you called because it would just happen to be like the perfect time. He goes, I was actually about to call this other track to see if they wanted to race. And he goes, and then I seen you called, so I answered it. And he goes, he goes, absolutely. If this is what you want, then we'll do it. And I said, okay, well, so we kind of started talking about everything and how it was going to all work. And he was kind of telling me what to expect because we've never ran or promoted a big race like this. So we, we talked over the phone for a while about it. And then actually a couple of days ago, he called me and he goes, um, if you can promise me that you can provide another purse, like two days of, of money, I'll give you like a double header race. And I was like, uh, well, that's fine because me being a woman racing and knowing what all we had to do and expenses and this and that, of course, we've always wanted more money. And I was, we were already thinking of different things that we could do to kind of attract them to come and, and make the purse even bigger and to give the girls more money to keep going. And, um, I said, that's not a problem. I said, I was kind of already planning something like that anyways. He goes, okay, done deal. He goes, um, you'll have a double header at your race. And so I was just like, he goes, and we'll call it the Jessica Patterson classic. And I was like, okay. It was just kind of crazy how it all, like I said, it just, I called him. I asked him like maybe about racing. He was about to call another track to see if they wanted, I think it was maybe Redbud or Bud's Creek. Oh, it was Bud's Creek in Maryland. He was about to call them and see if they wanted it. And he's like, I'll give it to you. That's, that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. And again, for you to give back to the sport, you know, especially like you're saying with women, because they definitely don't get the recognition that. And and that's the thing. I want to make it special. Like uh, just knowing from what I did in the past and what, 
would always be really cool to me is what I kind of want to do for them when they come and just blow them up like, you know, big and make it, make it a big event and something special that they kind of will remember. Because I mean, we're actually talking to people about trying to get some of the European girls, get some of the Canadian girls, get all of our girls from here. Like we want it to be a good race, like a, almost like a, the nation's type race, you know, where you have different people from different countries race each yeah, other the and best all the best. best girls from all around come here and, and race at, at my track. So we're, it's obviously still a lot of work to go into it and we're working on it, but to actually get it set and done is, is awesome. Now, do you think that will ever change? Cause I mean, it's the same way with like women's basketball. It just does not get the same response. I, I really hope it will. I hope it will. I mean, when we, when we raced, we had awesome support, a lot of money, you know, the purses were good, all the bonuses, everything was really good. And, but that was before the whole economy dropped and everything kind of went to shit. And then it's, it's fighting back, but I just think that we, eventually one day we'll find that one person that that really wants to sponsor it and give that extra money for the tv time and and this and that and it will come back around again and and honestly right now there's a lot of little or younger girls that are racing that are really good and i think if you could put them all together and and make a good series that you would have some awesome racing like just uh, probably better than when I race because, you know, we, we really only had, you know, a handful of girls that were up there every single weekend, but now there's probably like 10, 10, 15 girls that are, are really good. So just finding that one person that is willing to step up and give them the TV time like we had and give them the sponsorship and the bigger purses so that they can travel and, and do everything that, um, I hope so. I hope it does. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll, uh, I don't want to take up any more of your time, Jessica, but I do want to uh, to let you tell people where to find you as far as, you know, if they're interested in having their kid come out and do some training with you, you know, or just following you and your story and what you got going on. Um, do you have a website? Um, yes, we have. Um, it's trspeedwaysc.com. Um, so that's Traveler's Rest Speedway, and then it's in South Carolina. So trspeedwaysc.com. And then... Um, we have the one for the track, um, the T at TR Speedway, and then mine is at JP underscore money two five zero. And then also, yeah, of course we have Facebook. So um we have it for the speedway, we have it for the track, everything's travelers rest or in my name. So Yeah, yeah. Okay, well that's awesome. Again, I appreciate you doing this, Jessica. Yeah, thank you. You've been listening to the self made podcast. If you feel that others may benefit from this podcast, please help spread the word by sharing with friends and leaving us a review.